Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast, recorded a day early this week on Thursday. On this edition, we're going to talk about teacher salaries, campaigns surrounding ballot issues, and the Literat mayoral election and LitFest. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Hello again. So we we talked extensively months back when the governor proposed, it's kind of out of the blue, uh, to to raise the minimum teacher salary uh, in in Arkansas ten thousand dollars and and then provide all teachers with believe, a four thousand dollar bonus. This was ahead of the the special session. Arkansas had a huge surplus, and the governor noted that. Uh, while we've made progress over the last decade or so, we were now lagging behind nearly every other surrounding state and had to do something to stay competitive. Uh, the legislature balked at that, even when Hutchinson reduced his, his proposal uh, down a little bit. And the excuse at the time was, we have a process every uh, ahead of every uh, legislative session, regular session in the legislature, the uh, the legislature goes through this adequacy process that stems from the Lakeview court case where they do intensive research or they, they get the Bureau of Legislative Research to do intensive research, often aided by a consultant, to figure out how Arkansas schools are doing and a host of, of, of different issues. And then they make recommendations for how we should change the state funding formula. So they said, we got to do all that before we can consider teachers, teacher raises, but we're going to go ahead and, and dole out these huge tax cuts. So uh, this week, uh, the uh, Joint Education Committees met for the last time, probably ahead of uh, the, the session that will start early next year to make his recommendation. And surprise, surprise, they fell short of the governor's proposal. Well, you know, all that boils down to a real simple equation. The legislature prefers cutting tax, cutting taxes for millionaires over paying teachers more money. That's all. And that's that's why they didn't want to do it back then. And that's why they won't do it now. They want to reserve that money to cut taxes. And it's uh, the, the other thing is, is this adequacy study excuse is a sham. Every time they do this, they basically don't give as much as they should give to maintain adequacy funding of schools. And they always have a lot of excuses and, and people jigger around with the numbers. But uh, the, the adequacy funding just isn't there, particularly for small, poor rural school districts. And uh, Arkansas is content with that. It's always been content with that. And, and I'm afraid that under undergirding this, if that's the word, is a growing lack of respect for public schools and teachers in general. I think I think that the the long march to disabuse people of trust in public schools is having a success, particularly among Republicans. You know, it's being used. Uh, unhappiness about schools has become a, a, a real battle cry in partisan elections now. And I just think they think little of teachers and think little of schools and don't and kind of resent spending a lot of money on them, except for maybe on the football teams and basketball teams. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they, the, the recommendation, and, and this is, this is a long way to go from being law, but 
because, of course, the legislature has to meet, though it's a pretty good indication. I mean, you have something will come from the House Education Committee or the Senate Education Committee. So this is most likely what will be a prominent proposal was for a $40,000 minimum. And that would still put us under Mississippi, which raised yeah, by almost a couple thousand dollars. right? Yeah. Well, and it may not happen. I mean, the the Senate Education Committee is going to lose one of its stalwarts next session uh, in Joyce Elliott. Uh, there's any number of far more radical Republicans who seem likely to take seats in the legislature next year than are there now. And my expectation is that the legislature will be worse next year than it was this year, if you can imagine that. And uh, I, I just think spending a lot of money on education is not uh, not going to happen. And, and I, I think it's going to be really important how effective the school lobby can be. The administrators have always been a pretty powerful force, but Boy, there was really some starting to be some resentment against them at the last session. And the other thing that's going to happen is, is we're about to have a huge push for more school vouchers. I think there's going to be a push for an exponential growth in school vouchers. And that's another thing that draws money from the pot that's available to pay real public school teachers. Yeah, we we. We won't get too deep into this, but wanted to commend to all of our listeners, Austin Bailey's excellent takedown of uh, Little Rock State Representative Candidate Heather Turchy, who's running against Ashley Hudson, <laughs> Democrat, who squeaked by. Democrat Gazette uh, did a story, their, their sort of standard, here's some interesting racist story, and let Turchy off saying she was a non-ideological Republican, she was going to vote for weed, she was going to vote against the uh, anti-democratic proposal that would make uh, 60% threshold for, for ballot measures uh, initiated by the public, but did not dig any into her background. And she is just an absolute nut in 15 different ways. But one of the craziest things is she believes in school vouchers for all, that the tax money should follow the kid. And that would, if we, I mean, we've we've moved dramatically to expand school vouchers, but not any, I mean, that would be farther than they've done and, in Florida. And, and let me interrupt and say, don't adopt their bullshit of the tax money following the kid. Well, yeah, that, I mean, you're right. That's, as if everybody has a share of taxes. If that's so, my kid, I don't have kids anymore, but don't I get a share of taxes and I can spend it where I want to? No, you're I right. Mean, no, that, that, I mean, that, that, they, have, they have come up with these talking points that are really very smart and people buy them, but it's just bullshit. That's all. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it would it would totally devastate traditional public education to do that. And and she also talked about favoring a curriculum that's Christian nationalist and, you know, apologizes for slavery and talks no, and of course about she lives about in a part of town that has a huge number of students in the in the higher income neighborhoods that are going to private schools and, you know, what, what parent in a private school wouldn't like a $7,000 annual state handout to pay their private school bill. Well, uh, two, two final things to talk about on teacher salaries and we'll leave it behind. One, I was surprised to learn in the course of reporting this, and it's clearly a number of legislators were that, you know, a lot of the talk about this ahead of the special session was about this massive surplus. But in addition to the surplus that, you know, we still have quite a bit left on and and are expected to have this year, there's also a $600 million 
balance in the school accounts that the state has. Well, $600 million ahead of where they're supposed to be. So, I mean, they have money to do some really substantial things, but they're holding back. They're and, not spending it. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and the uh, you've got to think that some of this is, and I think there was even some some a talk by a legislator, legislator who said this during the special session is we're going to wait for Governor Huckabee Sanders to to figure out her priorities, and she said she wants to eliminate state income tax, and so uh, you know so some of the caution is likely because there are additional nutty tax cut plans. Oh yeah, and and they're just hankering to to cut taxes more on the top end, and you know it's interesting. I know this Beto O'Rourke in Texas put out something today saying that. Texas's taxes are now higher than California. I haven't reviewed his numbers, but I assume that he at least has some basis for saying it, but I can understand it. Texas has no income tax, but it has a punishing property tax, enormous property tax. And if you cut the income tax in Arkansas, if schools and local governments are going to continue to be funded without the state turn back and state support, we're going to have to huge increases in property tax. And property taxes in Arkansas are relatively low. But I don't know. I mean, it's people are short sighted and, you know, they they accept easy sounding things that, that are rarely as easy as they sound. All right, well, let's let's move on and uh, talk about ballot issues. We've, of course, talked extensively about issue four, which is the uh, recreational marijuana proposal. But there are three that constitutional amendments referred by the legislature and they're all bad. Uh, and their groups have have started to mount some opposition, and then there's some support around them. So let's just kind of run through them and, and talk. Well, about again, vote no against anything the legislature proposes this year. That would be issues one, two, and three. But one uh, lets the uh, lets the legislature call itself into session. Now only the governor can call a special session. This is awful. They could they could act on any whim of the day to meet to pass an anti-flag burning law or, or who, who knows what awful thing they could come up with. Terrible idea. Interesting development yesterday was the filings of papers by the state's two biggest business lobbies, the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce and the Arkansas Farm Bureau, and they're going to put some money to fight this. And that's good news. I, you know, you'd like to think this one won't pass, but who knows that we've approved a lot of amendments that have increased the legislature's power far too much already. The governor is already very weak in Arkansas. The last thing we need to do is to take away his ability to set the agenda for special legislative sessions. Then there's Amendment 2, which is the worst of the three. This is the one that would require a 60% vote to pass an initiated the constitutional amendment or a referred act, uh, which means basically it'd be about impossible to pass it. Uh, you know, getting a 60% vote on anything is is well nigh impossible. This uh, comes from a legislature that wants to control everything. They don't want the people to be able to speak and to be able to put minimum wage and marijuana and casino gambling amendments on the ballot, all, all of which were approved and all of which were opposed by the special interest. <clears throat> so it's a terrible thing. Uh, there are several groups that have formed to a uh, to oppose this, uh, at least one of them, I think, is going to develop 
some money from an outside good government source to support its campaign. Uh, there's at least one group out there, a dark money group run by this Coke Republican, David Ray, uh, that's uh, maybe out, may out there to, <clears throat> to work for it. I know he's for it. So we don't really know how that's going to shape out money-wise. And then finally, a real stinker of amendment, which is going to be supported, of course, by people like the Family Council through some of its grassroots church organizations, and maybe even with some paid advertising, is a so-called religious freedom amendment. But we already have religious freedom in both the state and the U.S. Constitution. What this really is, is, a, is an amendment that would protect people if they use their religion as a pretext to discriminate against other people, to force, force their beliefs down your throat. I mean, you, to make sure, for example, if you didn't want to provide an apartment or a job or a service to a gay person that you could cite religion and you'd have protection against doing protection for doing that. And there are also all kinds of unintended consequences. There was a good op-ed today in the Democrat Gazette by a journalist, Professor Bruce Plopper, ACLU also issued a statement. People can also use this kind of amendment for all kinds of, to say, well, in my religion, Breaking and entering is legal. I mean, you know, there are any number of wild scenarios you can come with. One, one favorite of mine is one that can come back and bite Jason Raper in the rear. Is suppose a, a, a woman, a Jewish woman, and, and in that religious faith, generally speaking, abortion up to the moment of viability is considered religiously acceptable, maybe even preferred in some strange cases, uh, and said this state law is a preventing me from uh, following my religious beliefs. Could they sue under the Constitution for a right to an abortion in Arkansas to override the state law? I don't think that's a crazy theory. It's such a bad amendment. Anyway, we don't know. There's no definition of what religion is in there, and it's just, it's, I've gone on too long. It's terrible, but I don't know what amount of money is going to be spent, and just invoking the word religion in Arkansas, is, you know, some some guy says I'm a Christian landscaping service, and people will hire him to be a landscaper just because they say they're Christian. I always say when somebody starts braying about what a Christian they are, that you better watch your back and grab your wallet. <laughs> All right. Well, again, vote no on one through three. I'm going to vote yes on four, but I think people will. That's that's a little more straightforward, and people will have all the facts and and be have sufficient background on that to make a decision. That's that's where I am. Although David Couch makes a strong argument that this it's so flawed that it'd be better to beat it and wait for a better one. But I, I'm nervous about waiting for a better one. I mean it's, yeah, it's it's so hard to petition and they're gonna make it harder and I just think the risk is great. Yeah, that's that's where I am. They I think all all the well meaning opponents have solid points, but it's unlikely we'll have another chance, so why not? Uh, and speaking of marijuana, President Biden today uh, uh, eliminated sentences for all convicted of federal marijuana possession and encouraged yeah, the states yeah. to follow follow his yeah, lead. And I, I've, I've asked the governor for a comment on that. I, you know, he's such a reefer madness guy that I can't see him saying it's needed. Now, one of the quick responses is, oh, well, there are not many people in prison state or federal prison for simple marijuana possession, and, and that's true. But Biden proposed to pardon people 
and and it's not just about people in prison, but it's about clearing your record so you can get jobs and vote and join the military and and do any number of other things, uh, get a medical license, or it's it's uh, you know I, I just think it would be it would be a good thing to do, and I'm, I I think it's a bold move by Biden because I think. I think most of the polling shows that uh, simple use of marijuana just is okay with most Americans now. All right, well, let's move on and talk about the Little Rock mayor's race. Uh, we're about a month away. We're we're starting to have candidate forums. Last night there was one uh, in Southwest Little Rock that was uh, the most notable thing that happened. I think is that Steve Landers was a, a no show. Uh, Real mistake on his part, by the way. And did did not have have uh, a good excuse. Uh, there's a there's one downtown that he I think will be he, he can't pull a Sarah Sanders and and ignore all debates. So he says he's going to be there. It's October 11th that Ron Robinson. Uh, bad mistake for Landers because he has greatly benefited by not being Frank Scott, who's really been in the spotlight over the last three weeks surrounding his misbegotten and now canceled lit fest. Right. I, I, you know, I guess Steve Landers came out with a crime plan yesterday, but everybody has a crime plan. And he caught a little grief for it because he talked about using drones and more police dogs. And so anyway, but no, the, the big news is Frank Scott shooting himself in the foot. And uh, he, you know, we now know even the people, the insider group he hired to run his lit fest that started late and had a lot of problems. They said, you really shouldn't do it this fast. You really ought to do this later. And other people had said the same thing, but he was bound and determined to deliver this city festival. He wanted it to deliver before the, have a big celebration before his, election uh appearance and he could be big dogging it around at the at the at the festival and firing up his base and for supporters who thank him for putting on this great show and and there were just problems it, it was started too late and you know even they landed a big name headliner ashanti and for three days before the festival it didn't look like they'd sold 200 seats or, or event in Robinson Auditorium. Of course, it was canceled. But the bigger problem wasn't just some poor planning and late development of the festival. The problem was, is they were caught thanks to some strong reporting in the Freedom of Information Act and some pushback within City Hall, I think, for the city attorney, it's fair to say, that they were caught trying to wiggle their way around the contract to put some money in the pocket of this outfit, Think Rubik's, that employed his former chief of staff, Charles Blake, and who'd been favored with an appointment on the Little Rock Tech Board and who he had connections with. And they, Kendra Pruitt, his chief of staff, was caught on tape in a meeting trying to ship a little extra money their way and also raise some more money for the festival because the city isn't supposed to spend its own money. And it just looked shady. I, I don't know any way to put it. Maybe no laws were broken. I'm not saying they were or they weren't, but it looked shady. And, uh, and after the city attorney called them out on some of the problems they were faced with, didn't think Rubik's quit. Uh, they said, well, we're, we're giving up the contract. And, but the, the, I guess, well, actually, the city manager terminated it because of the problem that Tom had cited and some unspecified failure to comply with the contract. 
And so they said, well, it's up to the city now to do it. And after some hours of trying to figure out what to do, they made the correct call, which is to call the whole thing off. We don't know yet really, or what obligations may have been incurred in, in the run-up to setting this up where their contracts with performers that couldn't be honored. I, I still think the city is overdue and providing the contract that entered for its big performance in Robinson Center and what that contract provided who was going to be paid what and where the money was going to come from and was it tied to ticket sales or not. Just an awful lot of questions. And then the other half of this is this continuing saga at City Hall which is they simply will not respond as the law requires to under the Freedom of Information Act to providing information. It's gotten so bad that I asked Kendra Pruitt yesterday for a copy of the letter that she sent to sponsors apologizing for the cancellation of LiftFest. I mean, it was, you know, she got in a little political dig, but it was, I mean, there wasn't anything particularly controversial about the letter. I just want to get a copy because it was being circulated to the city board and a blogger post. And I want to confirm that it was indeed a legitimate letter and see who had been sent to because who were sponsors became a question that I, I had talked to several people who elicited sponsors who said, well, we didn't give them any money. I don't know what they meant by sponsor, but the, we provide agreed to provide some speakers or stuff like that. But Kendra Fruit not only didn't respond uh, by fulfilling my request, she didn't even acknowledge I made it in the state law. Couldn't be clear when you get an FOI request, you're supposed to acknowledge it uh, quickly. Very simple. And so the best I can tell is the law just doesn't, and, and I'm not by any means alone in this. I, a Blue Hog report, he's done some groundbreaking reporting, has not gotten a lot of stuff. And again, I think there's the question of whether they're actively taking steps to make stuff secret. Some information that that, uh, that the city attorney became aware of that led to the cancellation of this was information that should have been provided in a variety of FOI requests made by a variety of people over time, but was not. And so why wasn't it? And there's this simmering dispute about whether or not an FOI officer uh, who reported to Kendra Pruitt, although nominally worked in the city attorney's office, had perhaps deleted some, some emails that should have been responsive to this FOI request. And she's caught up now in a controversy in which she says that the city attorney uttered a racial epithet in her presence. And she filed a complaint about it. And, and he's now saying things about her handling of the FOI because of that. Although the information he developed about FOI emails was before the alleged utterance of this word. So it's messy. It, it, it's just, it's just a key. Yeah. I mean, the, the long and short of it is, is Scott administration is in a bunker mentality and they're very secretive. They have made some poor judgment calls and, and in the interest of advancing his politics, they moved too quickly on this festival and they got caught short. Uh, but I do think that the people who like Frank, and there are a lot of them, if anything, like him even more. They think this is it's the Trumpian thing of evidence of somebody out to get him, and the establishment is out to get him, and, and there are people who feel like the establishment's been out to get them in some cases. And so rather than be put off by Frank, they're, they're even more enthusiastic. And I'm still where I've been throughout this. I think if I had to predict, 
I, I think he wins the mayor's race. Yeah, I I think I'm with you. Well, I I, I do agree that there there is some reflexive, a good deal of, of reflexive defense of him, but. You know, I count myself in the camp of like, I think this was a colossal mistake for all the reasons that you outlined. But we have an election with four choices, two of whom I think have no chance. I mean, one is is a nut. I mean, he's funny. Clint Schwartz talked about building, uh, bringing NASA to Little Rock last night. (laughs) Uh, You know, Greg Henderson's a nice guy. He he has some ideas. He has not really distinguished himself, though, with his policy ideas and is barely campaigning, has not shown any ability to raise money. And so that leaves us with two candidates, Steve Landers, who also has not demonstrated any any policy chops whatsoever. He has a long record of business. Uh, you know, he he had employees uh, and and managed them seemingly well to to be so successful in business but man he has not really uh been impressive as a candidate so no no not at all if anything you think a guy can sell cars can sell himself as a candidate a little bit better than he's done now he's been energetic i give him that he's gone all over the place except for debates i I suppose yeah i mean you know i we ran a Baker Curris editorial uh, that that initially ran the Democratic Gazette, where he made uh, a, a lot of familiar, maybe a few new critiques against the mayor um, that were all fair, and many of which I agreed with. Uh, but he didn't make much of a case for Steve Landers. Right. It was a whole lot more about what was wrong with Frank Scott, and it was chapter and verse. I think it was well supported, but not much about Steve Landers, except that. I- he knew him as a good a good car salesman. Yeah, clearly I mean, he was. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed in in the mayor for this, and you know, the the transparency issue is important to me, and and it's something that he's really dropped the ball on. But I can't imagine a world in which I don't vote for him. So no, and 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 I have a lot of friends who say the same thing. Uh, I do think the lip fest thing was so shady that it has given some people who I know who were just 100% committed to Frank a little bit less solid, but the alternative is still Landers. And here's the thing. Everybody knows, no matter what he says, he's at his core Republican. He's mostly voted Republican and mostly supported Republican candidates, not without exception, but that's the fact. He has people working for him who are just committed Trumpaholic. And 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 if you go through West Little Rock, take a look at the yard signs, you'll see Steve Landers and Heather Turchie, Steve Landers and, and other Republican Sarah candidates. Sanders. Yeah, and Sarah Sanders. And that's just and that's not a ticket to winning in Little Rock. I mean, I mean it, it, yeah, it may be someday. But at this moment, at, at this demographic breakdown, this is a city. That voted overwhelmingly for Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and abortion rights and gay rights and and it's just not yet a Republican city. West Little Rock, if they could de annex, that might be a different story, but they're stuck with us for now. Yeah. 
Well, I also just want to say, like, I think that the the idea of LitFest, uh, which I mean, you know, they they didn't ever frame it this way, but it clearly it's like let's bring cultural offerings that appeal to middle class black folks because there is a dearth of those right now. Like that is a that is a persistent critique that is correct. And in in the wake in the absence of Riverfest, coming up with a new signature festival is great, but city doesn't need to have anything to do with it except you know providing some support in the same way it did with Riverfest. like it's hard to run those festivals they worked on Riverfest all year long so and that, uh, and they just broke even if they were lucky yeah and they took a beat in some years of the weather was bad so. we also didn't even mention that the the main sponsor was the company that makes taser uh, yeah i mean we're gonna have nice. a city a celebratory city festival sponsored by a taser maker that was that was just so little rock at this at this current time. Well, I want to say this. Keith Ingram put on Twitter today something that said that Phillips County, Arkansas, has the highest homicide rate in the nation, 55 per 100,000. That makes Little Rock look like an oasis of calm. Oof. Bad. That's no good. All right. Well, I'm sure that we will talk more about this in the future, but let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you got? Well, I, I, well, you know me. I'm just terrible. I'm, I'm just disabled when it comes to remembering titles. But I think the title of this Netflix series is something like The Extraordinary Lawyer Woo. You heard of this? Uh, vaguely. It's a, it's, a, it's a Korean series with subtitles about a Korean lawyer who's autistic yeah extraordinary was, attorney woo the extraordinary attorney woo, that woo that's it yeah. and it's it's kind of a little unbelievable that you would have this incredible autodidact who can remember every single word of the korean code and has this just you know sort of autistic personality that's kind of and she's consumed with whales and knows everything about whales but then she wins these improbable cases because she's just such a genius and so some big law firm takes her on in anyway, but it's I've watched three episodes of it and it's 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 kind of engaging. It, it really is. I, I have to recommend it. It's good. Sounds great. Well, I'll do a little bit of log rolling. Uh, if you were looking for things to do this weekend, the Arkansas Times has events uh, tomorrow night in Argena. We're throwing our inaugural Made in Arkansas beer fest. We've done other beer fests in the past. This one is all Arkansas Brews. It's in Argenta Plaza, I think from 6 to 9. You can get tickets at centralarkansastickets.com. Then on Saturday, uh, we're, we're firing up the Blues Bus, going to Helena for King Biscuit. Uh, the Devin Allman Project, I believe, is the headliner that night. And as usual, ticket price includes uh, some breakfast, coffee stuff, a box lunch from Boulevard, Bloody Mary's, and and entertainment on the bus from Jason Lee Hale. Also want to uh, commend uh, to listeners the reporting of Mary Hiddigan, our City Beat reporter. She's just been doing a real bang-up job, I think. And, you know, Max and I have all sorts of opinions. Mary's new to town is kind of a blank slate. She's just going where the news takes her and uh, has, has really been uh, – you know, beating everybody to the punch and in many occasions. She had a great detailed report from from last night's uh, forum. She had a, a an excellent recap of all that's gone on in LipFest. 
She's the only person I know that's engaged with Steve Landers on his crime plan. She, if you want to follow what's going on in city politics, follow Mary. Yeah, she, she's doing great. Great work. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there, and we'll be back. See you next week.